today the strength to even be here. There are some who wish they could be here but cannot be. And I pray, O oh God, that we would never take your grace and mercy for granted. We're grateful, Lord, for allowing us this privilege to sing of praises to you. And I can't imagine the angels being quiet as the saints began to sing. We sing a song that they have no idea of the words nor the melody of it for we sing from the hearts that have been saved by grace through faith and I thank you Lord that you've allowed us this privilege this morning to gather in your name may your name be lifted high Lord in all that we say and do throughout the rest of the service that which we do not know we pray that you would make it plain to us to see that which we do not understand you will allow your spirit to teach us today and those areas of life that need to be changed oh lord may we willingly lay that on your altar I thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege to pray for one another, to encourage one another. And I pray for Linda. I've never met her. But, Lord, you know everything about her. I pray, O oh God, that if it be your will and for your glory, that you would bring about to her a healing that recaptures the memories that seem to be lost right now. I thank you, God, that in her time and in her estate, as she's in the Geisinger Hospital, Lord, I pray that you would meet her there. I ask, oh God, that you would fill that room wherever she is at. I pray that you would fill it with your presence, that she may not remember, but Lord, there's something she needs to know. Pray, O God, that you would awaken her spiritually. When the physical isn't working well, I pray, God, that you would would awaken her spiritually and allow her the privilege to see and to know the grace that is in you. I pray for her husband as I'm sure that he longs for his wife to be at home and in great health i pray god that you would bring him comfort and i thank you that kim and dale have been used by you to maybe in some way and somehow to speak to them the the gospel the truth and love i pray for our sister marlene that you would strengthen her I pray that you give the doctors wisdom that you would guide their hands as they perform delicate surgery and their time in your appointed way. May she experience a healing, O oh God, that would give her renewed strength. 
And I thank you, Lord, that she and Will love you. But what's even greater that you love them. And you know them. You know them by name. You know everything about them and what they need to go through in order, Lord, that they would draw strength from you. So you touch them this day. And we pause again, Lord, to praise you for your word. The servant that will come and share your word this morning, I pray, O oh God, that you would strengthen him. Allow him, O oh Lord, by your presence of your spirit to speak your truth. Bring conviction where it needs to be. Bring comfort where it needs to rest. And bring understanding, O oh Lord God, from a passage that your servant will speak this morning. And we'll be careful to thank you. And we'll be careful to praise you. To lift up to you our praises, Lord, is the least that we can do for all that you have blessed us with. And so unto you, King Eternal, would we be like the gates of the city of Jerusalem? Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be open, ye everlasting doors, for the King of glory is going to come in. We ask, O Lord, that you would come and be our honored guest this day. And may all that is said and done be for your glory and your honor, and we'll praise you in your name. Amen. In 1984, my wife and I faced a tragedy. A tragedy that we did not know the full outcome from. It was a tragedy that the physician, at that time my wife was carrying our sixth child. And through the experience of having six children in a matter of nine years, the doctor didn't know if my wife was going to make it through the delivery. The day that she was to be in the hospital for delivery, she was infused with a line that went directly to her heart, just in case her heart gave out. We didn't know what to expect that day. All that we knew was what happened that day. That day, over since 1984, we were blessed from having five daughters, which, by the way, are wonderful. Can I get an amen from the congregation? <laughs> but our last child was a son. Her doctor was so joyous that he threw him up, that she threw him up in the air. Of course, my wife got excited. But from that moment on, our whole household was blessed. But we had five blessings before that. I want you to know that. <laughs> Throughout our son's journey, he went to the University of Nebraska 
looking to become a sports broadcaster. But while he was there, God had a different plan. He left University of Nebraska with a degree in history. And it was there that he knew the Lord was leading him to a seminary in Seattle, Washington. While he was there, he did not know, but God was planning something else for his life. It was there in Seattle that he met this wonderful young lady who they later became husband and wife. And then the Lord blessed them after that with a set of twins, a girl and a boy, Mia and Mason. And it's from that journey that as they left Seattle and moved down to the Las Vegas area to be near Alex's mom and dad, that there was a passion in Steve's life to be used by the Lord in whatever capacity. And so this morning, you get to hear a good preacher. No, I'm not preaching. My son is going to share with you from the word of God. And then you will have every right, as a member of the church, you will have every right to grill him later. If you don't ask the hard questions, I will. (laughs) By the way, Steve, are we dichotomy or trichotomy makeup of man? Don't smile, that's a direct question. (laughs) But anyway, I introduce to you uh, our son, who's here to candidate for the associate pastor of student and young adult ministry. Pay attention to the words he has to say and make sure that what he says from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is correctly in that passage. If you don't, I will. But it's a great honor that I introduce to you my son, Steve Wigand. Would you welcome him this morning? I think that introduction was enough. We can probably go home. (laughs) No, it's been been such a great time being here. My wife and I have been here for about a week and a half now. Uh, We came in for Wigand family Christmas, and we stayed for this, right? and it's been great staying with uh, Pastor Doug and Miss Nancy. They've been really treating us like family, so that's great. <laughs> right? Get to the passage. I'm going to hear that a lot today. I have a feeling. No, uh, I'm so excited to be able to stand up here in front of uh, God's people and preach the word. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm going to do my best to not talk too fast because I get talking fast when I get excited. Uh, But let's start out with a quick word of prayer, and we'll get right into it. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to preach your word, to stand in your house, Lord, worship you and honor you. Lord, I ask that you would speak through me today, through this passage in 2 Corinthians, Lord, and I ask that the words that come from my mouth would touch the hearts of those who hear it. Lord, we ask and pray all these things in your glorious and majestical name. Amen. So today I actually want to talk to you about uh, some misconceptions. I'm sure you've had misconceptions before. You had an idea of what was going on. Like, I believe this to be true about this situation or about this particular person. And then maybe at some point, 
you're faced with the truth of that reality, and you realize, ooh, I was wrong. I want to tell you a story. When, when my twins were first born, um, I had never changed a diaper before in my life. So that's, there's my context going into this. And the hour they were born, I think I changed four. <laughs> so, so this is a very new situation for me. And I can remember the doctors telling us the, the kids were born a month early, so you need to make sure they get fed every three hours. It's very important to help their growth and their development. they got to get fed every three hours. All right, we can do this. There's two of us, two of them. We should be able to do this. And so we did. Uh, First few weeks, we were getting up every three hours throughout the day. We were running on about an hour and a half of sleep for the entire day. Uh, And I can remember there was one night where I'm sitting with a kid on my lap, and Alex is sitting with a kid on, on her lap, and they've got a bottle shoved in their face. And I am just so dead tired. And I looked at Alex and I said, honey, I can't keep doing this. We've got to figure something out. We've got to figure out how maybe one of us can do the feedings and the changing in the middle of the night. And the other one can sleep. And then the next night we'll switch over. You know, we've got to be able, we've got to support each other in this. We've got to figure it out. And I'm, and I'm serious. This is her response. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> I said, honey, okay, you might be okay, but I'm not okay. I, I need a... T- I need some help here. I, gotta, I go to work still. I'm, this, is, this is really hard. We've got to do something. You've got to realize how hard this is, right? This is hard. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. Honey, I, seriously, seriously, I can't. I can't keep doing this. We've got to figure something out. Cold shoulder, guys. Cold shoulder. I know a lot of, a lot of you women right now are probably sitting here who have had kids and are probably saying, yeah. Right? <laughs> no, and so finally I got to a point I couldn't take it. I knew I wasn't being listened to. My, my suffering was not being noticed. And I bursted, you are not listening to me. There's dead silence. Alex slowly looked over at me with a blank stare on her face and goes, what are you talking about? You haven't said anything yet. <laughs> Up until that entire point, I had dreamt that entire conversation. <laughs> I was so tired, so tired, so delusional, I was having conversations with myself. <laughs> but that is the misconception of that reality. Right? I believed so passionately within me that I wasn't being listened to, right? That I could not go on like this, and I was not being listened to. But in reality, I hadn't said anything. So how could she possibly be listening to me? (laughs) Have you ever had a misconception about God? Have you ever had a misconception about God's purpose for your life? I think that's something we can all kind of relate to. And this is something Paul is writing to in both of his letters to the Corinthians. In the first letter, he's writing to them about misconceptions about their, their life that they allow themselves to have after they have become followers of Christ. They allow themselves all kinds of sin in their life, and their explanation was, our sins have been forgiven 
It doesn't matter how we live. God has already forgiven our sins. Christ died on the cross. We're forgiven. It doesn't matter what we do. And Paul explains to them that, yes, your sins have been forgiven, but not everything is profitable. Not everything is good. But this is what these people believed to be true. They believed if it looked good and it felt good, it must be good. It felt good for my life. So their entire purpose for their life was to find those good things that brought them very temporary happiness. Good things in their mind. Again, while Paul calls them not profitable. Because what they were doing with these things is they were destroying relationships. They were ruining their testimony in their community. And they were not paying any attention to what God had for their life. God's purpose for their life. Now Paul writes to them again, and this is where we're going to pick it up in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to start reading in verse 11. So turn with me, if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too, and we are commending ourselves to you again. No, we, we are giving you reason to be proud of us. So you can answer those who brag about having a a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. So what Paul is doing here is he is laying out a new system of values for these people in Corinth. A new system of values that is based on a new system of belief for them. Christ has died for them. We are a new creation because if Christ died for all, we have all died with Christ. The old life has passed away. The new life is here. And that old life that has passed away, that one that was centered on the belief that their life was for themselves, right? My gain, my opportunity to make myself feel good, that is gone. It has died off. The old belief system that drove them to feel whatever they they wanted to feel in that moment has been replaced with a new belief system that is about an eternal purpose. They had to go from the temporary to the eternal. So no longer do they live for themselves anymore as Christ, as, I'm sorry, as Paul says, but they live for Christ. They are a new people with a new life. This sounds really, really good. Right? I've, I've been in the church my whole life. Right? And I've, I've heard the, the statement of we live for Christ. 
And I'm sure we all have. And it sounds fantastic. And it is fantastic. It is everything you need in this life. The entire purpose of our life to live for Christ gives us meaning, real meaning, to our lives. To say, I live for Christ, means that you don't live for yourself, but you live for something that is eternal. So, you go immediately from the temporary to the eternal. Right? That is where your belief system goes. So if you are living for Christ, you are immediately in that eternal. And guys, that is where we're going to find our hope for life. That is where we are going to find our joy. All of these things. And right now, I'm sure you're feeling it too. Oh boy, does that feel good. That sounds great. That's quite the buildup. But i got to pump my own brakes here, guys. I know we have at least one long-haul trucker. He knows what pumping the brakes means. we got to slow down a second. Because yes, yes, living for Christ is the way to find the true, lasting, eternal purpose for our lives. But we got, we got to not look, overlook one statement from Paul. We just read it. He tells them, we're going to look crazy. What does that even mean? Why Why would we look crazy to this? What, is, what does living for Christ truly entail? Let's keep reading in this passage. It says, And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconcili- reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave them this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So Paul calls living for Christ, he gives us the title of ambassador, right? As ambassadors for Christ, we are conveying God's message of salvation. Through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, we convey this message to the world around us. We do it with both the words from our mouth and the actions of our life. The attitudes and actions of our life speak louder than the words that come out of our mouth. What we believe is going to dictate how we act. Paul tells them, you live for Christ. That means you're going to act like a follower of Christ. So we are going to proclaim the message of salvation to the world around us. And I'm going to tell you guys, it's not easy. There's not one aspect of the Christian life as a follower of Christ that is easy. Now think about it. It is not easy to stand on biblical truth in the face of social thinking. It's not always easy. 
It takes a lot of effort. It is not easy to raise a godly child in a world that is, that is governed and ruled by a quick-fix happiness and by selfish ambition. Those two things are so dangerously, dangerously appealing. It takes a lot of effort. It's not easy to stand out in a crowd because of your Christian beliefs. Because you are not going to act like other people act. You're not going to speak like other people speak. You're not going to live like other people live. The things that these people want are not going to be what you want, and you're going to look different. It is a lot easier to go with the flow than be like everybody else. It takes a lot of effort to be a Christ follower. Grace Community Church, if there's one thing, one thing you hear me say today, hear this. The effort is worth it. The effort is worth it. In fact, say it with me. The effort is worth it. The effort is worth it because of the truth behind the belief. The truth behind the belief. This is not a misconception. This truth that we hold in our beliefs, that Christ came, died on the cross for our sins, rose again on the third day, defeated death, eliminated the barrier between man and God. We can now have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. We who are nothing, we who are temporary beings, have been invited to have an eternal relationship with God. That is the truth we believe. That is the truth that propels us forward in ministry, in life, in everything we do. This message of reconciliation that Paul is talking about is the most important thing. It is the most important to God because it is the only eternal thing. Therefore, it must be the most important aspect of the Christian life. And as followers of Christ, as children of peace, as people of prayer, as a community of of grace and love. Our lives and personal ministries should scream that very ministry, that very message. Now, I want to be clear. What I am not saying, don't get this misconception. What I am not saying is it is wrong to have a successful business or career. I'm not saying it is wrong to have a beautiful church with amazing architecture on the outside that looks really pretty from the road. Not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if that is where your task finds its completion, the value you put on those things is a misconception. If what you have is keeping you from the task that God has given you, 
then you are not following Christ. What you are following is a misconception. So I want to close uh, on Paul's actually, actual closing on this, on this subject. In chapter 6, he says, As God partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, At just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Folks, with our lives, we are going to proclaim the love of Christ. With our ministry, we are going to proclaim the love of Christ. And the love of Christ is grace that brings us into the presence of God the Almighty. That is what we're going to preach. That is what we are going to believe. And that is what we are going to live. Please, please, do not let any misconception keep you from that. Do not let any misconception keep you from the task at hand. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you again for today. Lord, we thank you for this amazing task you've given us. Lord, the truth you have given us is the most life-changing truth in the history of this world. Lord, I ask that you would put that squarely on our hearts and put it at the forefront of our minds and at the forefront of our tongues. Lord, I ask that it would affect the way we act and live every minute of every day and that we would be great ambassadors for the task that you have given your children. Lord, I ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.